Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. Hi, it's Brad Wilson. Welcome again. Glad to have you on board with us today as we continue this treasure trove of information from Warren Litzman. It's his study on Out of Law into Grace. It is really really amazing and very important. We're going to go now to part number six, where we left off last week, and we hope you enjoy it. Here's Warren. Let's read another verse here. Go to the next verse, which is verse 25. And Jesus says, He that loveth his life shall lose it. Now, do you get it? I've been talking all around that subject. Now we're going to hit it right on the nail. Every person who listens to me now, if they still love their earthly life, are going to lose it. You're not going to get anything out of it. It's not going to matter in any way at all that you had a great earthly life. You understand that? A lot of people think, well, I've done a lot of great things. I've given a lot of money uh, to important things. Uh, uh, you know, Americans are claimed to have uh, a lot of rich people living in it, and uh, most of them are givers uh, to, to the needy. They're givers to the needy. And uh, I'm sure a lot of them are claiming that as their salvation, that I gave. I gave. I gave a lot of money. In fact, a man gave uh, $50 million to a university here the other day. It's just no end of people who do good things. That's wonderful. I'm glad they're doing it. They ought to do it. That's got nothing to do with salvation. That's got nothing to do with them being a different person. In fact, that's coming out of their old person that's still bound by sin nature because they haven't accepted Jesus as their Savior. And so this first line of this 24th verse stirs me. It says, whoever likes their life on earth is going to lose it. But he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Now, I've already talked about eternal life. But how do you get there? What is the step you take to get to this eternal life knowledge, this eternal life function? You know, I get out of the bed some days and I thank God I can put my feet on the floor and walk. There are some days I really hurt, either in body or in mind. I, I, I really do hurt. But you know what quickens me and sets me free? I'm an eternal being. Nothing that happened to me is bigger than my life. In fact, John said that, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. This verse says, from the very mouth of Jesus, he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. What is he doing? He's forsaking the kingdom message. He's trying to tell us right then and there that the kingdom message has got to be forsaken. Why? Because the kingdom message loves this world. I was reading a book the other day from uh, a dear brother that uh, uh, was explaining the kingdom message. And he said the heart of this message is health and prosperity. Health and prosperity. That's the kingdom message. Now, let me tell you something about that. You fall in love with this world at that point. Your existence in this world. You fall in love with your works in this world. 
you fall in love with the world. What did Jesus say again? Let me, let me say it once again. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. I think one of the strangest things I've ever seen about Jesus of Nazareth was his relationship to this world. Uh, in the Lord's Prayer in John 17, 18 times, at least 18 times in one short chapter, the Lord's Prayer in John 17, Jesus mentions the world. I never saw that in the many years I read his prayer. I never saw about his thoughts and relationship to the world. How did he feel about the world? What was his understanding of the world? One place he said, I don't pray for them that are in this world. In another place he says, my workers in this world, I don't pray for. He's in his main prayer. This is his big prayer. This is the understanding we get from Jesus of how he talked to his heavenly father, but he has something against this world. What was it? It was the big thing that happened wherever he went to minister. The reason why he couldn't establish the kingdom on this earth was because of greed and selfishness. Everybody wanted their own thing. Even Peter couldn't stand to have Jesus to die because that would upset the kingdom. So everybody had their own desires, their own thoughts. It's that way today. The average book you find in a bookstore, I mean average, I mean it's just as many as any other subject, is how to get rich, how to make money, how, how to do this, how to do that, how-to books, all of which are dependent upon you to do something. That's the big thing the world is coming to today. Got to know how to do it. I got to know how to put it over. Let me tell you, this 2,000-year message from Jesus of Nazareth will help you more than anything you ever read and anything else. And I do read other books. I do read about people's life. I, I like biographies. I like uh, certain novels. I like to read. But listen to me. If it isn't Christ, it isn't worth a cent. It isn't worth a cent because if you don't find out about eternal life, if you don't hate the things you do in this world enough to enter into eternal life, and listen, that's why you don't have this feeling for eternal life. I'm not telling you to get rid of your homes. I hope you have the best home money can buy. I hope you drive the biggest car money can buy. I hope you have money in the bank. That's okay. God will prosper you. But let me tell you, the moment you start thinking that's the message and that's the gospel and that's what the cross did for you, you're in error. You're in error. So this 24th verse kind of sticks out to us. But let's move on. Let's go to verse, uh, that 25th verse. And I, sh I want to go to verse 26 right now. It says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. That where I am, there shall also my servant be. And if any man serve me, him will my father honor. Ah, I like that because that's, that's one of Christ's steps. And he took several of them into the Christ life that he gave to Paul. How is that? Look at this. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Now, People in religion got all taken up with that follow me stuff. I call it stuff because that's not what this verse is talking about. 
they, they have this thing called, uh, what is it, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? I see it everywhere I go. People are wearing it around their wrists, or ladies are wearing it in a necklace around. They got it on the caps. They got it everywhere. WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? They're making a witness, sort of the witness that I do what Jesus would do. I follow Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. You following Jesus is in a whole different con connotation in this 26th verse. He says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. Now, Jesus doesn't, from the point of the cross, tell us anything. After the cross, he never mentions this again, and there is no other person who mentions it in the scriptures except the Apostle Paul. So let's get right down to the facts now. How do we follow Jesus? Do we look back in the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, which was under the law, which had to do with the establishment of the kingdom on this earth? Do we look at that to see how we follow Jesus? There's a lot of people who strongly believe that, that we have to follow the Jesus of the first 30 years of his life. That's not, that's not the Christ we follow in grace. So when God got ready to show us what we do to follow Jesus, he raised up one man to tell us, and that was Paul. Only the Apostle Paul in the whole of this book tells us how to follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 would say, follow me as I follow Christ. Why would Paul say that? Jesus said here, follow me. But what is it? That's under the description of another gospel. That's Jesus talking about another thing. That's what he stopped doing on Palm Sunday. And that's what every person must do that comes into grace. They must drop the kingdom and they must drop the law and they must say, Christ is my life. I no longer live. Christ liveth in me. Well, that swallows up the world. That swallows up all our dreams and ambitions and gives us a dream and an ambition that comes right from the Holy Spirit about the life we live, the person we are. That's how the Holy Spirit deals with it. So you see, Jesus said, if any man's going to serve me, let him follow me. And so the instructions on how to follow Jesus are given to us by the Apostle Paul over ten times. In Paul's writings, he makes a statement to follow me as I follow Christ or a similar statement, do it like I do it. Why does Paul say that? Because he's the last man God ever uses to tell the human being how to live on this earth. There will be nobody that comes after Paul. I ran into a fellow the other day who said he was waiting on the rapture to take place uh, at the end of the tribulation period. No, that's the coming of Jesus to set up the kingdom. That's taking them right back to the thing Jesus left in John 12 and 24. And the world wants that. They want a heaven on this earth. They're going to have it one of these days, but that's after the cross and that's after the rapture of the church, thank God. But the people who are going to meet Jesus in the air are going to follow the only man God gave the message to of how to live as humans on this earth. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. 
Yet it is not I that lives, it's Christ who lives in me. Christ liveth in me. That's the theme of the Christian. So it's not just an advertisement, what would Jesus do? It's how Jesus comes through you and I. We are something God made. We are a person that has the likeness and the image of God. We got spoiled by sin and Adam and Satan. But we have been retrieved by the cross of Jesus Christ. And now Christ, God life, God nature wants to come through us. Right through us and out of us. As God's fulfillment of his plan for his own children. You have any feeling today that you're a child of God? You have any feeling right now that Christ lives in you? Maybe not. But you got this book. You got this book where about 146 times Paul talks about Christ in us. More than any other single subject in the New Testament by any other author. He says this is it. In Christ and the cross. That's what it's all about. And until you get those two things fixed in your life and become the whole of your life, bigger than churchanity, bigger than the preacher's preaching, bigger than the subject of your denomination, bigger than the law you keep, until you get that fixed, you'll never come to grace. Because these are elements that bring people to the grace of God. But let's, let's read on here. In verse 27... Jesus says, now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause I came into this hour. First, there are two things Jesus manifests in this one verse. He manifests soul and spirit. Did you see it? Did you see how he manifested both of them in this one verse? He says, now is my soul troubled. His soul. What is his soul? His soul is the outer part. His soul has to do with all those miracles he performed. It has to do with raising Lazarus from the dead. It has to do from his work on earth. It was soulish. But then he goes on in the last statement and says, Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause I came into this hour. What hour? Death. Is he asking God to not let him die? Is that what it means? No. He's asking God that he shall be saved from this world which he hates and saved from the things he's done in this world that the bigger thing is his death on the cross, saving the whole world God's way. This is a choice many of you are going to have to make. In my simple way, this is what changed my life. I used to be in healing ministry. I had a big tent. Went from city to city attempting to bring healing to people. And a lot of people were healed. And great numbers were saved. Thank God. But it got to where it bothered me. And right in the midst of the glory of this part of my life, the Holy Spirit got to dealing with me that this isn't the whole answer. This is a result of the answer. Healing, miracles, and prosperity is a result of the message. 
but the message is grace. And so the Holy Spirit began to teach me grace. And it came by incidents that were happening. I would see people who were miraculously healed who never served God. To that date, they had never served God, and they never served God afterwardly to my, afterward, to my knowledge. That bothered me. That bothered me because what was happening to them in a soulish state, their health or their prosperity or their blessings, had not come from their spirit. Christ is our spirit. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So Christ is our spirit. But I begin to see that God would bless them and God would help them in the hope that they would come to believe, even as Jesus did. Why did Jesus keep going day and night healing and teaching and helping people into the kingdom because he felt like they needed to do that. The kingdom was going to be established. But when it came to the point that the kingdom was not going to be established and the kingdom was to be shut down, Acts 28, 28, we have Paul given the sounding brass of the end of the kingdom where he says no longer does this gospel go to the Jews. The gospel now goes to the Gentile, a whole new and different gospel. So you see, dear friends, he was troubled. Now is my soul troubled. Why? Because soulishly he knew what it meant to help people. Think of all the things that Jesus knew. Little woman touched the hem of his garment and was healed. How many times I preached that. The madman of Gadara, who had the demons cast out of him, they killed a whole flock of not a flock, but a whole bunch of pigs. He must have remembered those things. He did good. He never did anything but good. He came that they might have a new life, and that more abundantly. That was the kingdom. Every once in a while, I see a church, this, this title, the Abundant Life Church, very popular here in America. I don't know about the rest of the world where some of you are but Abundant Life Church, more abundantly. There is no such thing. You either have Christ or you don't have him. He either lives in you or he doesn't live in you. He's either been birthed in you, you have the incorruptible seed, or you don't have it. And once you have it, you have all God can give. There'll be no more. There'll be no more. Now in your soul, you're going to get more blessings. You're going to get a lot more blessings but you're never going to be anymore. And it's never what you get or what you believe that makes you who you are. You are who you are by Christ in you. That's your identity. That's what a Christian is. So he said, my soul is troubled. What did it do? He separated his soul from his spirit because that last line says, Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. What is the hour? The ultimate final hour is on that cross. The last final hour for this world was on the cross. God has no more salvation. There's no more Jesus to be given. There's no more, no more death of Christ to take place. The final hour was on that cross. And he knew it. He knew it was coming. He knew that it was the final hour. 
and what it was all about. So when he says, my soul is troubled, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I to this hour. It is my prayer that any of you listening to this message today will search your own heart and soul as to whether or not it is the things you want on this earth that are important to you or whether your knowing Christ lives in you is more important. You see, God can bless people and he does out of his own will bless people that will never serve him. He'll bless nations that will never honor him. He does his own thing, his own way. But in your private life, he blesses the son that is in you. That's why this verse ends with Jesus saying, it is for this cause I came to this hour. What is your cause? What's your great cause in life? What is it that makes you to live? I live because Christ lives in me. I hear people every once in a while saying, Lord, uh, uh, come quickly. I, I want to get out of this world. I want to get out of all this trouble I'm in. That's the wrong thing to say. We all have that feeling at times. We'd all like to go home to glory. We'd all like to go to our Father so we could just fit in his lap and palm of his hand under his wing, so to speak, and everything be all right for eternity up in heaven. But it is your death that is your cause. You get it now? It is because you died with Christ on that cross. Because you say, I am crucified with Christ. That's your cause. That's the thing behind everything that has to do with you. That's the big thing in your life. That's what Jesus is telling us here. The big thing in his life is this hour he's coming to when he dies. And when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you entered into that death of Christ. That's bigger than anything else in your life. Instantly when you believed on Christ, God birthed in you his dear son so that John could write that Christ in you is bigger than the world. Oh, that you'd get this message. It would take the sadness, the hopelessness, and maybe even the sickness and disease out of your life. But you have to know what's happened to you, what God has done, and you have to bear witness of it. You have to say, yes, I see that in the scriptures. I see what Jesus is talking about here. That's the big thing, most important one more verse. In fact, several verses attached to this 28th verse where Jesus says, Father, glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. Bring honor to yourself, Father. Whenever I said it is for your cause, my death on the cross is your cause to save sinners, glorify thy name. And what happened? All of a sudden, a voice came from heaven and said, I glorified it before, and I've glorified again. I have both glorified it as his word. 
That's a couple of the times. At John's water baptismal service, the voice spoke from heaven, scared people to death when the voice of God was heard. I think that's what scares politicians today when they think Christians are going to be a, a big vote in their election or a non-vote. Yes, the voice is the voice of God. Where is it for us today? It's in this book. Does he have an audible voice? Well, in the spirit we could think that sometimes. But his main voice is right here in this book. That's where the voice of God is. And so at John's water baptismal service, they heard his voice. And then again at the Mount of uh, Translation, uh, Transfiguration, when Peter and James and John were translated up to the Mount, they were transfigured. And a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now the voice has come again since Jesus had made the declaration that my death on the cross is my cause. That's my cause for living and existence. That's what the cause is. For this cause I've come to this hour. And he says, God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Would you like to have God say that about you? How would that bless you if God said that about you? Would that be a thrill? I think it would. I think that would make your step into grace for all it may have cost you in your soul, all it has cost you in your past, all it has cost you in your worldly existence. All it has cost you would have meant nothing if you could hear God say, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. I want to hear that more than anything else. This is my son in whom I'm pleased. I'm not the son God, but I am God's son by a birthing. Praise God. I'm God's son by a birthing. Well, I've talked to you about long enough today. I want to tell you, it's been a thrill to preach Jesus to you. It's been a thrill to preach Jesus to you and I hope you're with me again the next time. Well, we're going to have to stop right here for this week, but we'll pick up next week right where we left off. We hope you will please reach out to your family and friends and tell them about this podcast. This is the way that we can spread this good news and this wonderful in Christ message around the world. It was Warren Litzman's dream to let the whole world know this great message. Please tell your family and friends about it and spread the word along with us. Also, we'd like for you to go to our website, Christ-Life.org, Christ-Life.org. Read all about us, go to the bookstore, and find some of these great treasures for yourself that you can have in your own home. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring you these great, great lessons. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by the very talented Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.